listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tvcweb.com. It's such a privilege being with you, and it's also such a privilege being with those of you who are online. We just expect God to do an amazing thing today. I want you to know that the God that we serve is the God of yesterday. He is the God of today, and He's also the God of tomorrow. Amen? And he has an amazing tomorrow plan for each one of our lives. But before we get to that, I must tell you a story. Amen. So there were these two older men by the name of, we'll say, Bill and Joe. And Bill and Joe were the guys that used to get together almost every day, every week. And they would go out into the park and sit on the park bench and reminisce about the past. And so they're sitting in the park, and they see these young kids who are playing baseball. And so Bill says to Joe, you think there's baseball in heaven? And he says, well, I don't know if there's baseball in heaven or not. But he says, I tell you what, let's make a pledge to each other that if one of us dies before the other, we'll come back and let the other know if there's baseball in heaven. So unfortunately, about two weeks from that date, Joe died and went on to heaven. And so Bill was very depressed about the death of Joe, and he was sitting around his house, and he thought, why did I go back to the park bench where we had so many memories together? So he goes back to the park bench. He's sitting on the park bench for a while, And all of a sudden, he hears a voice up from the clouds. And the voice is, he says, hey, Bill. And Bill says, well, who's that? He says, it's Joe. He said, oh, he says, is everything okay over there? He says, oh, yeah, everything's great. He said, well, what's going on? He says, well, I got some good news and I got some bad news. He said, well, what's the good news? He said, well, there is baseball in heaven. He said, well, what's the bad news? You're pitching next Thursday. (laughs) Yeah. So the God that we serve is a God of time. He's the God of yesterday. He's the God of today. And he's also the God of tomorrow. And he is the God that always wants more for us than we want for ourselves. He has a bigger desire to give us things than sometimes we have the capacity to receive. So our person that we're going to talk about today is a man by the name of Elisha the prophet. A little bit different from Elijah. They're both in the story So let's read the story, and then we'll pick up on it. So it says in 1 Kings chapter 19, and it's only two verses, it says, So Elijah went from there, and he found Elisha, the son of Shephat, 
And he was plowing 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pier. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. And Elisha left his own oxen and ran after Elijah. He says, let me kiss my mother and father goodbye, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left, went back, and he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. And he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Elijah the prophet had been a great and mighty prophet in Israel. And he was the guy that challenged the false prophets at Mount Carmel. And he brought fire down from the sky and killed the prophets. He was the guy that challenged Israel to live in such a way that they could have a better future. But the thing that was keeping them from getting a better future was their past. And so now all of a sudden, he, he, he runs from Jezebel. He gets very depressed. God comes and speaks to him and says, listen, I want you to anoint your successor. And so he comes up on his potential successor, Elisha, he walks up to him, and he interrupts him. I want you to know that this is the way that God operates. God will interrupt your schedule. He's not waiting for you to make room for him. He will come into your life and interrupt your plans. He will interrupt your dreams. He will interrupt your misery. He will interrupt your frustration. He will interrupt your anger. He is the God that interrupts us. And many times we are getting interruptions and we don't think it's God. Because I didn't plan things to be like this. I never thought it would end up like this. I had plans that I would do A, B, C, and D, and somehow God came along and interrupted C. Amen. Somebody up in here. So God is the God that interrupts. So he comes up and he interrupts this guy while he is plowing in the field. Now, he comes and he basically interrupts him and he takes his cloak and he puts it over him, which is a sign that you are to be my successor. And when he puts the cloak over him, he has no conversation. He has no explanation. He simply puts the cloak on him and he walks off. Great call to ministry. I mean, can't you explain to me what we're doing here? Okay, God, I know you interrupted my life, but I need more explanation on what we're going to do. 
Sometimes God doesn't give you the explanation. He simply says, come, follow me. Where are we going? How long is it going to take? Are we there yet? <laughs> One of the things that keeps us from getting to our best possible future that God has for us is our past. Now, it's easy to see how your past could keep you from your best possible future when your past is messed up. I mean, when you've got a toxic past, and when you've got tons of failure in your past, and when you've got tons of destruction in your past, it's very easy to see how your past can keep you from God's best. Your past, all of our past, always has flammable things that need to be done away with. Amen. Say it with me. Set it on fire. There's some things that simply need to be set on fire. But Elisha didn't have that problem. Sometimes the thing that needs to be set on fire is not flammable, toxic stuff that we all know is bad. Of course, they need to go. But Elijah actually had a successful past. You know what's harder to give up? Success. Success is so difficult to give up because it costs so much. It was so hard to do. It took so long to put it together. He walks up on this guy, and he's plowing 12 yoke of oxen. Now, I don't know how much 12 yoke of oxen go for, but I know it's probably more than 10. And I know it's got to be a lot more than the guy who only has one and I also know that it's got to be a whole lot more than the person who is farming with no oxen at all. He's got 12 yoke of oxen. He is, by the, the, the way you would rank people in comparison in his day, he's a successful farmer. Success is much harder to surrender than failure. But to get the life that God wants for us, sometimes we have to give up the good success of the past. Amen. Amen down there. <laughs> So then he decides that, he says, okay, I need to go 
and say goodbye to my mom and my dad. And he then takes off. Well, first of all, he jumps up and runs after Elijah. And then he says, I got to go say goodbye to my parents. And he takes off and he goes to the house. Now, we don't get any information about what happened at the house. But you were born in a family. So let's just kind of improvise here for a minute. We're going to take a little bit of liberty here. Uh, and I can imagine you being a success and having a successful business and being the source of income for your parents. And you decide that you're just going to set it all on fire. So you're going to go to your parents' house and you're going to say, you know what? I know you've been depending on me for your, your welfare for your later years in life, but I just decided that I am going to set it all on fire. And your mom says, have you taken your medication this morning? <laughs> and then his dad says, okay, by the way, where are you going? He says, well, I don't know. What are you going to be doing? I don't know. Well, how long are you going to be? I don't know. Well, what are you going to accomplish? I don't know. This is the place that God calls all of us to. I want you to trust me with a future that I can give to you that would make no sense to you whatsoever even if I explained it to you. That's the reason why I'm not giving you any explanation. But are you willing to trust me for the future that I have for you are you willing to hold on to the past? One of the things that holds us down when it comes to our past is that we are so identified with our past that it causes us to be stuck in the present and the past and the future can only be what the past was. And God says, I want to set you free from it. So you have to, at some point, be willing to sacrifice the toxicity of your past as well as the accomplishments of your past to get the future that God desires for us. And so he then decides that what he's going to do after he has that fantastic conversation with mama and daddy, he comes back over and he slaughters all of the oxen. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, no! Come on, say it with me. No! I mean, you could have sold these oxen. What happens if this doesn't work out? I mean, you need a plan B, don't you? That's what my mother told me. You need a plan B. 
What's your plan B in case this doesn't work out? I want to say this. One of the things that keeps us from getting to our best possible plan A is plan B. Amen. As a matter of fact, sometimes the issue is that actually, instead of God being plan A, God is plan B. If all else fails, I got a plan B ace in the hole. But God's desire for us is not for a plan B, but for him to be plan A. And God wants to give us something that's even better than plan A. And so now he slaughters the oxen, and then he takes the plow, and he cuts the plow up in pieces, and he puts the oxen, and uh, he uses the wood from the plow and he, he starts a fire. And then he invites all of his friends and family and acquaintances to a festival. A festival of a sacrifice. He invites his friends and his family and his relatives, and his acquaintance to a festival of a sacrifice. I want to know, are you eating off of the sacrifice of others? Or have you decided that you are going to make sacrifices so that others can eat off of your sacrifice. I'm so grateful in my life for all the people who poured into my life and I was able to eat off of their sacrifices. I'm still eating off of some people's sacrifices today, but the time has come where I have to make sure that others can eat from the sacrifices that I have put on the altar. So, is your life an altar? Or is it an anchor? When you're anchored to things, you can't go too far from where those things that you've accomplished, you can't go very far away from them because you're so identified with them that you're anchored to them. That way, when you try to go into the future, the future can only be another version of the past. God is the God of the now. He's the God of the past. 
but he's also the God of the future, and he always are going to bless us, but he doesn't want the blessings of yesterday to become an anchor. He's got plenty of blessings, and he's got more blessings today than any of us received yesterday. Amen. We have an opportunity to bring the things of our life to the altar. So he gets all of this stuff, starts the fire, and when he starts the fire and it starts to cook, he just, he just sets it on fire. He sets it on fire. Now, in my early years of ministry, or when I was preparing to go into ministry, I went to Bible school, and let's just say that I'm probably not in the most likely to succeed category from Bible school. Matter of fact, it was really bad. So I left Bible school. Well, actually, they asked me to leave Bible school. Uh, they weren't wrong. I mean, they had a reason. But I left Bible school, and I knocked around, and I wasn't even sure if I really wanted to go into ministry. And so I went back home. And I, I was at home, and I was achieving at an all-time high level. I mean, I was doing nothing. You know, like nothing. You know, absolutely nothing. Just drifting, you know, drifting. And uh, while I was there, uh, I was about four or five miles away from home, and I heard that um, our house had caught on fire. Someone said, your house is on fire. And I thought, oh, my house is on fire. Everything that I, everything that I owned is there. You know, and I got to the house. And when I got to the house, I mean, the fire, the fire was so big. The fire department, by the time they put it out, there was hardly anything left of the house. There was nothing that could be recovered. And all of those high achievements that I accumulated in my life. I mean, how would anybody ever know that I had these participation trophies? My yearbook from high school in which, let's just say I wasn't the best student in the world. I mean, I, my memorabilia from the military. I mean, all of it went up in the flames. My past got set on fire. And I realized something in that moment. I got nothing to go back to. I had the clothes that I had on. 
and nothing else. My car. That was it. So, <laughs> not too long ago, we were trying to get the records from my high school to prove that I went there. <laughs> they don't have them. <laughs> Turned out the school got set on fire too. But I didn't have anything to do with that. And I want you to know that that was a pivotal moment for me because everything that I was trying to go back and hold on to was now gone. And I made a decision that I would go into the future that God has for me regardless of what it costs me. And if it wasn't for that moment and that fire, I would not be standing here with you today. So, I have a challenge for you. The challenge is this. One of the things about giving that is a struggle for all of us is that when we accumulate things in our lives, we become heavily identified with those things that we accumulate. This is the reason why it's so difficult when God says to us, I want you to give. And we say, you mean you want my stuff? And God says, yeah. Yeah. Because the truth of the matter is, is that your stuff is not your stuff. Your past is not yours. Your future is not yours. Your present is not yours. It is it has been given to you as a gift from God on loan, but you're going to have to give it back. So why would I allow something that is already gone to keep me from something that God wants to do when, in fact, this thing has already gone back to God anyway? And why would I allow something that I perceive is mine and mine alone to keep me from getting something much better that God wants to give to me. So my challenge for us is this, is that when you think about giving, I know we think about, oh, I got to give 10% or I got to give this, I got to give that. I want you to think about it like this. I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. And I'm willing to give you, Lord, whatever it is that you need to actually set my heart on fire. So he built an altar. I think that's a good thing to do. Build an altar. But you know what's even better? We can put things on the altar 
I think there's times when we need to do that, put something on the altar. But when you put something on the altar, please don't go back and take it off. Because I've done it. I put it on. And then by Tuesday, um, I think I'm going to need that. So I pull it off of the altar, <laughs> blow it off, put it in my pocket and go. But I'm going to challenge us to do something today that's a little bit different than that. I'm going to challenge us to get on the altar. I'm going to challenge us to be an altar. Jeremiah says it this way, Thy word burns within my heart, and it's like a fire that's shut up in my bones. The fire that God sends is a fire that consumes, but it also brings life. It is the fire like the bush where it consumed the bush, but it did not destroy the bush. It made the bush glorious. God wants to send a fire that will destroy those things that are flammable, that will keep us from our very best. It will destroy regret. It will destroy guilt. It will destroy shame. It will destroy frustration. It will destroy misery. But it will give you peace, joy, love, patience, kindness, and all the things that all of us want to be. So when I pray, and I'm going to, when I pray, I'm just going to ask you to pray with me. To be an altar. To be an altar so that your family and your friends and your acquaintances, acquaintances and all the people that you come in contact with can experience the fire of God. Amen? All right. Let's pray. Lord, we give ourselves to you. We put ourselves, Lord, on your altar. Help us to live our lives in such a way that it reflects the great sacrifice that has been made for each one of us. And then, Lord, give us the spirit and an attitude to invite others to the feast of once I was dead, but now I see. Once I was blind, now I see. Once I was dead, and now I'm alive. So we say to you today, Lord, all that I have, all that I am, all that I was, and all that I will be, I give it to you. Set me on fire. That's our prayer. Set us on fire. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And all of God's amazing people said, listen, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you guys for watching online. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. 
For more information, visit tvcweb.com.